Welcome to the Association of Insurance Compliance Professionals podcast. AICP serves the insurance compliance community by promoting relationships, exchanging information, and providing learning opportunities within a dynamic regulatory environment. You're listening to Federal versus State Regulation with your host, Logan Morrow. We are excited to welcome today's guests, Mike Considine and Al Redmer Jr. Michael Considine serves as the National Association of Insurance Commissioners Chief Executive Officer. As CEO, he principally focuses on strategic planning, policy development, and implementation in the areas of state, federal, and international affairs and relations. Considine currently serves as an executive committee member on the IAIS and on the advisory board for Plug and Play Tech Center and is very involved in both InsurTech and FinTech issues. Considine has spent his entire career in the insurance industry as an attorney, regulator, and executive. Most notably, he served as the insurance commissioner for the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania from 2011 to 2015. Before joining the NAIC in January 2017, Considine served as the global head of government and policy affairs at Aegon, one of the world's largest financial services companies. Concurrently, Considine was senior vice president, deputy general counsel, and Executive Director of Government Affairs of Aegon's U.S. subsidiary, Transamerica. Al Redmer Jr. is the Executive Director of Maryland Auto Insurance Fund. In this role, he leads Maryland Auto's 200-plus employees in fulfilling the organization's mission of making auto insurance accessible for all Maryland drivers. Previously, Redmer served as Maryland Insurance Commissioner, appointed by Governor Lawrence J. Hogan Jr. in 2015 and again in 2019, and previously appointed by Governor Robert Ehrlich in 2003. His combined service under both governors makes Redmer the longest tenured insurance commissioner in the state's history. As insurance commissioner, Redmer represented the state's interests as an active member of the National Association of Insurance Commissioners. Redmer, a native Marylander and respected businessman, formerly served as a member of the Maryland General Assembly in addition to managing Redmer Insurance Group, LLC, and Redmer Financial Group. A special thank you to Mike and Al for taking the time to join us today. We're all looking forward to the opportunity to explore the topic of federal versus state insurance regulation. Uh, a quick note on our agenda for today. Uh, first, we're gonna turn it over to Al and Mike to hear some of their opening remarks, talk about their experience in the industry. And afterwards, we'll then get into our four key topics for the day. Each of those topics will serve as the overall takeaway and they will be handled in turn by Al and by Mike. My name is Logan Morrow and I'm moderating the discussion today. And with that, I'd like to pass it over to Al for his opening remarks. Al, over to you. Hey, Logan, thank you. I appreciate you having me. And for those of you that are listening, I wanna thank you for joining us and uh, congratulate you for uh, taking your time uh, to invest in this part of your uh, education. And, you know, uh, regulation itself is an important ingredient in any free market system. Uh, but naturally, it's important that that regulation be done uh, correctly. In my 40-year insurance career, I've had the unique opportunity to view and participate in the insurance industry from a variety of different vantage points. Uh, first, as an active participant in the private sector. Uh, secondly, as a uh, longtime uh, state legislator. Uh, and then finally, as the longest serving insurance regulator uh, in the state of Maryland. 
Uh, and I can tell you that uh, regardless of your skill set, uh, I can assure you that you can find a professionally rewarding and financially rewarding career uh, in this vast world of, uh, of insurance. And at the conclusion of the event, if you have any questions or if I can personally be of assistance, uh, please don't hesitate to uh, reach out directly. And uh, Logan, with that, uh, back to you. Thank you, Al. Definitely excited to hear about your varied perspective uh, on the insurance industry based on your career. Uh, Mike, with that, over to you for opening remarks. Well, thanks, Logan. And let me echo Al's sentiments that it's a pleasure to be on here to talk about a sector and profession that uh, I am very passionate about. I know probably very few of us as small children laid in our beds at night thinking about uh, growing up to be an insurance regulator or in the insurance sector, but I can tell you from having spent a career in this uh, world, it is really the most rewarding experiences that I could have imagined from a professional standpoint. And as we get it further into the conversation, I, I hope to talk more about this. But, you know, this really is a sector that, as Al said, is, you know, part of the fabric of our society and the work that regulators do and the industry does uh, is incredibly meaningful. I mean, we are there for American consumers often at times when they're at their worst. Uh, I, you know, I think of occasions as an insurance commissioner where I was on the phone with consumers and literally making a difference in their, their lives. And that really is meaningful, important work. And again, uh, my thanks to all of you listening for taking the time to, to, to hear a little bit more uh, on this subject, but more importantly, for your engagement and potential pursuit of a career in the sector. So Logan, happy to get further into this great conversation. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate your thoughts, especially about insurance, the important role of insurance uh, in the fabric of society and, and, and in the financial system in general. Uh, so with that, we're going to turn over uh, and get into the bulk of what our discussion is going to be today. At the beginning, I mentioned uh, how there are four key topics that we're going to walk through today. And as a general reminder, we ask that you all make sure that you note the four key topics, uh, since they will double as our key takeaways uh, from today's podcast. So with that, we'll walk through the key topics and then we'll get on uh, to each of our experts who will explore them in more depth. Topic number one, which will be discussed by Al, is that there is a state-based system of insurance regulation in the United States. Topic number two, which will be covered by Mike, is that the US system is unique when viewed from an international perspective. Topic number three, which we'll go back to Al, is that a state-based system makes the most sense due to the attributes of the United States. And then our final topic, again, going back to Mike, is that US state regulation requires coordination for consistency and to meet the global standards. Uh, at the end of our discussion of each of those topics, we'll go back to each of our experts for their closing remarks. But with that, I'll turn it over to Al for topic number one, which is that there's a state-based system of insurance regulation in the U.S. Al, over to you. Yeah, Logan, thanks. I, I appreciate it, and uh, I appreciate the opportunity to uh, chat about this subject. And uh, first thing I'm going to do is let's go back to uh, like your ninth grade civics class uh, and, and remind ourselves that there are three distinct branches of government. Naturally, we've got the executive branch, the legislative branch, and the uh, judicial branch. And uh, as state regulators, we're part of the executive branch, uh, 
And uh, we really don't make the rules. We enforce the rules. So uh, state laws come from state legislators uh, or state legislatures, if you will. Uh, and, and these laws are in, uh, all an effort to protect their citizens regarding their interaction with the business of insurance. And uh, after passing laws, uh, passing a new law, the legislature then hands that new law off to the executive branch of government to be implemented. And uh, you know, it, how many of you have actually read a new law? Uh, and if you have, you understand that oftentimes uh, when you read a new law, you've got more questions about it uh, than you did before you read the law. And, and that's because sometimes these new laws are nothing more than just a, a broad statement of public policy without a lot of details. Uh, and in that case, they, uh, the legislature hands that new law to the executive branch and the executive branch, in, in this instance, the State Insurance Administration, um, will need to draft the details that are necessary to implement that new law. Uh, and as you know, those, uh, those details that we have to create are called regulations. And uh, as commissioner, my objective was to make sure that any regulations that we needed to promulgate did no more or less than the authority provided in that new statute. In other words, we did not want to uh, uh, engage in uh, regulatory creep, if you will. And naturally, every state is a little different. Uh, every state legislature is a little different, and <laughs> some are more different than others. Uh, but every state legislature is, is a little different. And, and with that being the case, there's a patchwork of, of rules around the country where states have taken uh, different actions to protect their citizens and policyholder than maybe the neighboring state. And uh, however, at the different uh, state insurance departments, while they obviously need to follow the laws of their states, typically when dealing with their legislature, uh, they typically strive to assure that the decisions that the legislature make have as much similarity as possible uh, as the, uh, the other states. Uh, that naturally uh, requires a lot of communication and collaboration among the states, which uh, Mike is gonna touch on uh, in a couple of minutes. And uh, overall, the state insurance departments typically are charged with doing the following. Uh, first, uh, they typically license all of the producers and insurance carriers that do business in their state. Uh, they have a financial team uh, that does financial examinations to make sure uh, that the uh, carriers doing business in the state are financially solvent. It's important to note that this financial oversight is to protect policyholders, not to protect the carrier shareholders. Uh, the uh, insurance administration will also review the marketing practices of companies to make sure that they're compliant with the law, uh, as well as reviewing and approving new product offerings and, uh, and different premium rates to make sure that they comply with the law. 
Uh, we'll also review claim payment activities to make sure that they're compliant uh, and that carriers are not taking advantage of their policyholders. Uh, most states also spend a lot of time trying to uh, identify, investigate, and prosecute incidents of insurance fraud, uh, which happens at a, an alarming uh, rate. Uh, and finally, most carriers uh, spend time uh, trying to engage in consumer education. <clears throat> now, when discussing insurance regulation, it's important to note that, uh, that those that are regulated, whether they're carriers or producers, they can really do whatever they want to do, whenever they want to do it, and for whatever reason they want to do it, as long as they don't violate a law or a regulation or the terms of the policy that they have with their policyholder. So as long as they're not violating any laws, regulations, or their policy, they can do uh, engage in whatever activities they would like. And because of that, you know, there are times when regulators are perceived as maybe being confrontational or bad for business, if you will. <clears throat> in Maryland, it was, it was quite the opposite. As commissioner, I viewed my role as enforcing the laws of Maryland in a way that was reasonable, consistent, open, and uh, transparent. I also viewed it as my responsibility to make sure that the insurance market in Maryland was robust and competitive. So we were constantly evaluating the market and working to bring new carriers to the state. Uh, and we were very successful in, uh, in doing that. And lastly, I'll, I'll just add that uh, while meeting with carriers about the marketplace, I kept hearing about the lack of insurance talent coming out of Maryland uh, institutions. And as part of that conversation, I learned that uh, students could not get an insurance or risk management degree in Maryland. I was actually embarrassed having been in the business my entire life uh, to learn that. And uh, we spent uh, two years uh, calling on different universities around the state, finally found a willing partner with the University of Baltimore. And uh, we put together an insurance advisory committee. Uh, and we're now in our second year of having an insurance risk management program uh, at the University of Baltimore. Very excited about having this feeder system providing good paying jobs uh, in Maryland, and I viewed that as an important part uh, of our role. And uh, Logan, uh, back to you, thanks. Thank you, Al. Uh, great job walking through the US system, especially the licensing financial review and the consumer uh, education parts. Uh, with that, we'll turn it over to Mike for topic number two, where Mike will explore the fact that US regulation is unique, especially when looked at from an international perspective. Mike, over to you. Thanks, Logan. I'm glad Al kind of uh, started with, with the history part of it here because that is important. And our system, as we'll talk about, is unique. We, we are a state-based system uh, of insurance regulation in the U.S., which means, again, the state insurance commissioners, of which Al was one in Maryland, uh, I was one in Pennsylvania, we are the regulators uh, in that industry or for that industry. And that's the case throughout the, the country. And that does make us different. But I guess maybe take a, a further step back. You know, this was set up as sort of state versus federal regulation. And, and you know, I don't want to suggest that it's an adversarial confrontational relationship or there's some tension between uh, state regulators and, and federal officials. 
There really isn't. Again, this is a byproduct of our, our history here in the U.S. where insurance started as a very local business and was regulated as such. And of course, now it is a global business. Uh, but still, we, we maintain our state-based system for reasons we'll, we'll get into. Um, but the approach here in the, in the U.S. also isn't to the exclusion of federal regulation or federal legislation. I'm sure many of you are you know, aware that areas like health insurance, there, there is a role for federal agencies uh, when it comes to uh, health insurance products these days coming out of the Affordable Care Act. We've got federal insurance programs. Uh, for example, we have a national flood insurance program that is run at a, a federal level. Same thing for uh, terrorism risk, TRIA. That is a federal program. Um, you have certain products that are regulated by both both state regulators, state insurance regulators, and federal regulators. For example, annuities, which have uh, investment properties to them, are duly regulated. So I don't want to suggest that uh, you know there's it's to the exclusion of the involvement of federal regulation. It's not. But the way that uh, you know our system was was set up, that's um, unless the federal government, unless Congress takes a specific step to preempt state regulation. Uh, state regulation is left to the states, uh, and it has been that way for a very long time um, for good reason, I think. Uh, but that does make us different. When you look at outside the U.S., um, we are a unique system in that it, uh, our insurance isn't regulated in conjunction with other financial services products like banking and securities at a central government level. So. Canada to our north, Mexico to our south, both have federal regulators. Europe, Asia, most of those countries have centralized federal regulation, typically done um, with their equivalent of our Federal Reserve or equivalent of, of the Treasury Department. And again, even in the US, both of those entities, the Federal Reserve and Treasury, still have a role. They are not, however, um, pure insurance regulators. Uh, the Treasury Department, uh, for example, uh, was given a role under Dodd-Frank to create a federal insurance office, which works with state regulators to represent the interests of the U.S. internationally and also to assist with some data collection efforts domestically. Uh, the Federal Reserve was actually given uh, even a, a more significant role uh, following Dodd-Frank uh, with uh, companies that were designated as too big to fail, systemically important financial institutions, uh, of which uh, there were at least five insurance companies at one point that were CIFIs. Uh, now there are, are none, uh, but the Federal Reserve still continues to have a role in working with the states, not to the exclusion of states, in looking at systemic uh, sector-wide risks and regulating those accordingly. Um, but again, you know, uh, we have our system is, is different, and sometimes we 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 get questions: Why is it done that way? And, and to Al's earlier point, it's because. Our states um, are very different uh, in the way that, that their markets operate. And you know we have markets like California, Texas, New York, Florida, Pennsylvania uh, that are sizable, that are some of the largest insurance markets in the globe. And you know we regulate them accordingly, but on a coordinated base, both domestically with other insurance regulators across the U.S. Uh, and internationally. And that's a subject, Logan, that I know we'll get into a little bit more here further on. So I'll stop there.
Thank you, Mike. I appreciate that. Uh, I definitely think it's important that you noted how uh, federal regulators still have a role in our unique state-based system uh, and, and that they do work hand-in-hand -hand with the state. So thank you very much for highlighting that. Uh, moving on to topic number three, Al, this will go back to you. Uh, but again, topic number three is that a state-based system makes the most sense in the U.S. And Mike, you did a good job leading in. Uh, so Al, we'll turn it over to you to discuss topic three. Thank you. Thank you, Logan. I appreciate that. And, you know, let, let's start with the basics. I mean, the, the role of government is to serve its citizens. And uh, my own personal opinion is that I believe the execution and the service that government provides typically is better the closer to the citizens you can get. So um, local government serving local folks, I think is best. State government is probably second. And then finally, relying on the federal government uh, is, um, is third. And, uh, you know, to, to illustrate this, let me, let me tell you a story. And uh, this includes an instance where there was some friction uh, between the feds and the state, at least one state. And uh, let's go back to June of 2003. Uh, I was appointed insurance commissioner for the first time. Uh, three months later in September, um, we were whacked by Hurricane Isabel uh, with devastating damage throughout the state, especially along the Chesapeake Bay corridor, where literally thousands of properties were damaged and many, probably a couple thousand, were just totally destroyed. Uh, now, it's important to note that most homeowner insurance policies don't cover damage due to flooding. Uh, so if you need insurance, most people buy it through the National Flood Insurance Program. And the key word there is national. It's a federal program. And uh, as a state government, um, the state can't regulate the federal government. Although for the record, I, I wish I could have regulated the federal government, but uh, we can't. And Maryland was not the only affected state. Uh, but I can tell you the federal government was overwhelmed. And at the insurance administration, we received hundreds of complaints, well over a thousand complaints, uh, and, and dealing with the federal government was painful. And while we had no direct regulatory authority over the federal government, we presented ourselves to the citizens of Maryland as their customer service department. So um, we had folks come to us. We collected the information. We went to the federal government to help facilitate the claim paying process. And uh, months dragged on. Things did not get better. So I got uh, on the train in Baltimore. I went to Washington, D.C. and met with the director of the flood program, uh, going through the laundry list of concerns that I had. Uh, the director agreed to come to Maryland to meet with some consumers. As a result of that meeting, the director agreed for the first time in the history of the program to reopen any claim of any citizen that was unhappy with the original adjudication of their claim. In Maryland, over 5,000 people asked to have their claim reopened, re-adjudicated, and as a result of that, uh, in aggregate, they received millions of dollars of additional money uh, that was paid out due to our advocacy. But there were still problems. And now fast forward to January of 2005, 
more than two years after Hurricane Isabel hit. Because of the continuing issues, I got on the train. I went back to Washington, D.C. This time, sadly, I was meeting with a new director of the National Flood Program. And uh, as I sat in his office, eyeball to eyeball, going through my list of concerns, he interrupted me and said, and I quote, Commissioner, we're done in Maryland. We're now dealing with Hurricane Katrina. If anybody in Maryland is still unhappy, they can take us to federal court, end of quote. Really, that's, that's what he said, take us to court. And uh, in my opinion, this is a real life example of what federal regulation can look like. Uh, not in all instances, but certainly in this instance. So the rhetorical question is, what happens if the feds take over the regulation of health insurance uh, and your loved one has their surgery or their medication denied? You want some bureaucrat in DC saying, hey, go ahead, take us to court. Uh, going back to Isabel, the, the citizens, uh, there were citizens that did take them to court. Me personally, I was furious. Uh, so my outlet was I went to the NEIC, the National Association of Insurance Commissioners. Uh, the NEIC appointed a work group to study the National Flood Insurance Program. I was a co-chair. Uh, we went to D.C. We lobbied for congressional hearings, uh, and we got them. The very first hearing I got to testify sitting right next to the flood director uh, that blew off Maryland citizens uh, months before. And, and ultimately, Congress made some meaningful changes uh, to the flood insurance program. So uh, th this is a, a small example of the difference between state and federal regulation, as well as a small example of the role that the NEIC can play in both state and federal uh, issues. Thanks, Logan. Thank you, Al. Uh, we're definitely benefiting from your experience as a former insurance commissioner in the industry. Uh, I do want to say thank you for sharing your personal stories as well, which definitely can help us all uh, understand these topics a bit better. Uh, Mike, turning over to the last major topic, uh, back to you uh, to discuss uh, how U.S. state regulation requires coordination. And Al did bring up uh, the National Association of Insurance Commissioners, which I'm sure you'll get into more. But Mike, over to you for the last topic of the day. Thanks. Yeah, thanks, Logan. And uh, certainly happy to talk a little bit uh, about the NAIC, the National Association of Insurance Commissioners, of which I have the privilege of, of heading up right now. You know, it's, a, again, a fascinating organization in that uh, it's over almost 150 years old, uh, goes way back to almost the, the founding of our state-based system and was really created as the support system for uh, for state insurance regulators across the country to really be that connective tissue between the different states as insurance grew from a very local industry to a statewide industry to a national industry and now a global industry. And there, since our inception, we've been focused on a, a few key areas. Uh, first and foremost is we're there to support and facilitate uh, our, our members' work and the work that they do day in and day out uh, in their states in protecting consumers and ensuring that they have safe and solvent markets. Uh, the second thing we do is uh, we're a standard setter. So as, as Al referenced, you know, 
ultimately, you know, with our, our system of government here in the U.S., we've got the different branches. Typically, the insurance departments fall under uh, the executive branch. We do have a couple that are independent in that they're elected offices. Uh, but for the most part, they are outreach, uh, they're part of the executive branch. Um, and so, but they have to work with legislatures to get, uh, you know, the sort of these, uh, a system in place. So the NAIC is there to help create model laws and model regulations. And the emphasis being on the word model, we are not a legislative or government body, but we can help develop uh, through our expertise and the expertise of our members, uh, a system of model laws. That's important because one of the areas that is very important to uh, to our members and to the industry is uniformity, consistency, and speed to market. As insurance grew, you know, from a sort of local to state to, to national industry, it was important that the laws and regulations, at least in some key areas, be as uniform and consistent as possible. And that's really where, where the NEIC came into play in developing model laws that our members would then work with their state legislators to get enacted to create that uniformity and consistency. Um, we kind of make, you know, emphasize that through what we call an accreditation process. So uh, our state member, our members, uh, states and territories alike uh, can go and be accredited by the NAIC. And when you're accredited, that means you have in place um, a sort of a, this a standard set of laws and regulations that are deemed critical for, again, as much of a uniform, consistent uh, state-based system as possible. And we will actually go in and uh, examine our own members to see how they're doing, not only with the enactment of those models, but from an operational standpoint, are they doing things from uh, consistently from state to state? Is the level of regulation uh, where we need it to be to, to, again, given the U.S.'s position as a global insurance market? Uh, so that's really one of the, the key roles of, of the NAIC is, is working to get those model laws and regulations in place, to back that up through our accreditation process, uh, to support the, the efforts of our, our members uh, through coordination and communication, which in a year of a pandemic can be especially tricky, but I think we've done a, a good job and have certainly uh, utilizing virtual platforms to, to ensure that consistency and coordination continues and that the U.S. Uh, continues to be a preeminent global insurance market. Thank you for that, Mike. And I really loved your description of the NAIC calling it a connective tissue between the states. I think that's the first time I've heard it, but uh, it paints a good picture of, uh, of the role that the NAIC plays and how important it is. Um, so with that, that's the last topic of the day. Uh, but everybody here on the podcast, myself included, uh, wanted to make sure that we left all of the listeners with some important uh, takeaways that may stretch a little bit beyond just federal versus state regulation. Um, I, I work, I personally work for an insurance consulting firm, Westmont Associates, uh, and we help regulated companies stay compliant uh, throughout the U.S. But uh, reflecting back on my own decision to jump into the insurance industry uh, and, and make a career out of it, it was discussions like today. Uh, hearing from individuals like Al and Mike, uh, who have had uh, long, successful careers in a variety of roles in the industry, explain a lot of what goes on behind the scenes. Uh, I think insurance is a fascinating area to be in, especially as more technology enters the industry. And with that, we wanted to make sure that each of our experts had 
had a couple of minutes to walk through some of their experiences or any parting thoughts um, that, that they think would be beneficial for all of you to hear. Uh, so with that, Al, I'm going to turn it over to you first for any closing remarks uh, and let me know when you're done. Thanks. Yeah, Logan, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to participate. Always good to be with uh, my buddy, Mike, and I appreciate AICP uh, putting this uh, together. Uh, as I, I started, uh, insurance is a great industry. Uh, it's always changing and evolving. It's always interesting. Uh, as Mike led with, I mean, it, it plays an important, integral role uh, in society. And there are plenty of opportunities, whether it's in the private or public sector. And, uh, you know, while education is important, and I congratulate you for the education you're getting, um, you also need to work on some of those other skills, those soft skills. Um, you know, communication is critically important, both verbally uh, and writing. Uh, public speaking, um, you know, if, if you're going to advance professionally to a certain level, uh, you need to be able to engage in public speaking. And the key is find small opportunities to practice. Uh, and there's, there's a skill to, to do that. Uh, networking is also critically important. You know, it, it's an old cliche, but it really is, you know, who you know uh, that can help open certain doors. As a matter of fact, in full disclosure, uh, I was appointed insurance commissioner of Maryland twice. Uh, I can assure you that I was not appointed insurance commissioner because I happened to be the smartest insurance person in the state, believe me, and I've got witnesses. Uh, so, and, and also always be thinking and planning for whatever that next opportunity may be. So as you're in one role, think, I mean, think to yourself, what are the possible next opportunities that could be available? And for any of those opportunities, what is it you need to know to get there? Uh, and who do you need to know uh, to get there? And, and finally, um, don't forget about hard work. Uh, show up and be early, uh, be open, transparent, collaborative, uh, and equally as important, uh, to, to the extent you can, avoid the unnecessary drama in corporate life because it's never productive. Uh, and with that, Logan, thanks again for the opportunity to participate. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Absolutely. Uh, Mike, any parting words? Yeah, thanks, Logan. And And again, just a Pleasure to, to be here and our my thanks to AICP for inviting myself and and similarly a pleasure for, for me to to be here with my buddy Al. Uh, one of the reasons that you know this was such a great job, uh, an opportunity for, for me to have is you know to be an insurance regulator was being a part of a community, really a family of regulators across the country. And uh, and Al was was certainly part of that. And and again, as as you've heard. I, you know, this is such an amazing profession. It does not get the credit and attention it deserves. Uh, and it really is at the forefront of so many important issues of the day, uh, issues like climate and aging populations and you know, race and diversity. You know, the insurance industry is is right there. And similarly, yeah, I, I, you know, I would encourage those listening to to look at careers on the regulation side too. I mean, if you want an opportunity, and I, you know, I started out as a young lawyer with the Pennsylvania Insurance Department and was given 
opportunities to do things that I never would have had a chance to do in a law firm or an insurance company right off the bat. Uh, and you're, you're entrusted with a lot of responsibility and given opportunities to make real differences in people's lives, to set policy that, as we've talked about, impacts literally billions of people across this, this country. So it's, it's interesting, important work. And uh, again, it's just uh, been a real pleasure to, to talk about uh, a career and an area that uh, I'm so personally very passionate about. So thank you, Logan, for that. Thank you, Micah. That's a special thank you today uh, to AICP, again, for the platform, echoing Al and Mike's comments. Uh, but Mike and Al, really appreciate you taking the time to share your knowledge, but more importantly, your experience in the industry. I know I learned something from today. Uh, thank you, everybody. That concludes our podcast for today.